What's up, my dogs? Finally, it's Jody and the lifestyle athlete back from Mexico. I missed you, Joe. I missed you as well, Mr. Listeners. But uh, after a three-week break, we are back in the game. It's good to be back, mate. Good to uh, catch up with you again. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Like, how long was it since we last did the podcast? Got to be it has been. Weeks. Well, the two of us, literally, like I said, three weeks just before I went to Mexico. And we were supposed to record one podcast in Mexico in the week of the race. But then we had like major connection issues, like absolutely flipping insane. Um, and then after that, you did one with Max because I was on a holiday. And then... You were in Gran Canaria, which is Spain, and Spain equals shit Wi-Fi and coffee, and thus another uh, missed opportunity for recording a podcast, but here the boys are, fit and healthy. You literally, mate, cannot get a decent coffee in Gran Canaria. There's one place I saw the last time I was there, um, but this time when I was out there, it was like 15 kilometers away, something like that, but there is literally nowhere it's like, how do they not know what a decent coffee is? And why does, how can they, like, what what cracks me is quite often you go into these cafes there and you'll have seen it in loads of France and Spain. They've got these expensive coffee machines. They look the part and you your hopes get up a bit. You see that and you think, well, if they've invested the money on the coffee machine, hopefully they should know how to use it. And then they do it and you just get a really, really shit coffee and you just think, why spend the money on the machine you know just get an aeropress or something like that it'd be easier and it would taste a hell of a lot better you just cannot get a decent coffee can you out there don't you think not not at all but i think that is if you look at the if you look at spain and france um they pretend to be really sporty cycling kind of countries but in the end it's more like wine. They like the fouets, you know, the the, the the fouet sausage. They like the Rioja wines. In France, they like the Bourgognes. They don't like coffee, man. And Is they, that what they, you think? Yeah, that's They're what more I into think. wine? Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. So if I don't like wine, I'm absolutely screwed then, aren't I? You're screwed. That's what I, I don't understand what you're doing there all the time. Like, I, I always have a chance. <laughs> so you just swap. When you go there, you're just like, I'm not even going to bother with the coffee anymore. I'm just going to drink water and wine. To be like fair, Jesus. I, I, <laughs> I'm the Messiah. <laughs> I get there. <laughs> like Jesus. Um, to be fair, I honestly, I'm, I am really, really traumatized when it gets to uh, to coffee. If you're not in a in a in a in a place where you know it's great. So for example, Girona, but it's run by internationals. But if you're like in the middle of flopping nowhere, I, I never order a coffee anymore. Or I let you order the coffee because I know I'll let him try it first. Remember when we did that long ride from Front Rumo and we went through Spain and you said, I saw this really, really good cafe. Yeah, I saved it on my phone, didn't I? Got our hopes all up, didn't I? I was like, we'll stop here. It was in the middle of a 300k ride, that one, wasn't it? Exactly. And, and uh, then even that one, which had, and it had like, 200 reviews like four and a half star review and and the coffee was i wouldn't even dare feeding it to a dog um can you remember how they fucked me over though i asked for a cappuccino and they gave me a hot chocolate <laughs> and they said a cappuccino is a hot chocolate here and i was like well thanks for letting me fucking know like how would i have known that randomly a cappuccino is a hot chocolate at this cafe like totally obscure way of doing things so we got it didn't i and i was trying it and i was like this don't taste right what i can you remember and uh Oh, that was such a rank cafe. I think she did it? it on purpose because she said, here's your <laughs> cappuccino. And then she blinked at me and she said, good luck with the rest of your ride. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, yeah, that was such a disappointment. That one. So no, I, I, um, no, coffee is a disaster. But anyway, yeah, you so you went on a training camp last week in uh, Gran Canaria, the second time already in three weeks. So you getting ready for a big race, or uh, what's going on with all the training camps? Well, the first one wasn't meant to happen. So originally, I was meant, obviously meant to do Florida. Uh, and then we were going to go on holiday for a week afterwards. And then Laura was going to work that the week in between when I did end up going away. And then we were actually meant to go on this training camp, which is actually with a sponsor. They were out there. So it was going on a training camp with them and, being, uh, and, and out there. But because I didn't end up doing Florida, we wanted to go away on a holiday. And then it just so happened that we ended up going to Gran Canaria, but then couldn't stay out there another week because she had already booked loads of shifts because I wasn't planning on going away on the holiday. Uh, and there was too many shifts to like change them. You know, if it was only one or mm-hmm. two, you could easily do it. But there was like five or six uh, shifts, so it was just too, it was just too much to um, to change. So that's why I um, ended up coming back and then going back out there. But the first one was meant to be more of a holiday, and then the second okay. one was meant to be a bit more of uh, training. But then it was all going well, mate, for the first like. Bloody oh, dogs. dogs. We, they, haven't, they haven't ruined a podcast for a while, have they? And they're back, <laughs> they're back. back in action. <laughs> Bloody hell. Put him to sleep. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and then like the first uh, few days were, were good. I was getting into the swing of things. And then we did like, I think it was on the Thursday, did a 200k ride around the island, which was actually bloody tough. Like it's uh over some mountains at the start and then it's just like relentlessly hilly the rest of the ride um but that was a really good ride and then went out for an indian thursday night thinking this is good smashed a massive ride have that and then the next day it was meant to be like an easy like recovery day so um didn't notice anything saturday morning all hell breaks loose like laura's like mm-hmm. constantly sick arm ill and on that day, we think we're meant to be doing like a ride, going out for a ride again for a decent one. And I look at my phone and I'm like about to text the others at about quarter past nine, half nine. So I don't think I'm going to make it today. Like I feel, I feel terrible. And I saw I had a message from them saying, do you feel all right today? Because a few of a load of us have come down feeling ill. Um, and obviously we all caught food poisoning from the Indian completely wiped us out so that wrote off Saturday Sunday and then obviously travel back Monday and that was like that would have been a right I felt terrible and then today I've actually the half, felt the half of the camp is uh, is a write off because you uh, you got food poisoning pretty that much is, yeah I had Tuesday I had Tuesday made, Wednesday Thursday I want to I want to I want to give you a um, a rule a, something well, that you need to think of when it comes down to food so there's two things that I would never never order um, so if you're, for example, up in the mountains, high up somewhere in Austria, like on a training camp or whatever, you shouldn't order fish because it's too far away from the sea, you know? So you know what I did? Not- well, well so- before you go on to the next point, I caught food poisoning in Regensburg in Germany for ordering like bloody mussels and like seafood stuff. Exactly. Like caught food poisoning. Mate, it's too far away from the sea with, and thus a big <laughs> risk for you to get sick. Same for... Ordering Indian on a Canary Island somewhere near Morocco slash Spain, like what is an Indian doing all the way up there? Yeah, but what's an Indian doing in England? But you still get good England in, uh, Indian. Yeah, there. but like Canary <laughs> Islands is. I'm, I mean, in the UK, I get it. You know, there's like a big, big, big population, and 
it is too niche for an Indian <laughs> to go to, <laughs> to the Canary Islands to order a restaurant. It's probably money laundering. I don't yeah, know. But that's that's a good job for them. They saw there was a gap in the market. They saw there's a gap in the market. There's no Indians in the Canaries. I know gap what the market. people want. There's a gap in your tummy now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I felt like I, I, I felt like I was on death's door on like Saturday. Like Laura was like really ill. I was ill. I was terrible. Arabella weren't. She was feeling good. And then the, the baby was like crying loads because she was like wanting to go out. I'm, we're both feeling dead. Didn't even leave the room. Had to get like room service in the end in the evening to like bring her some stuff. Oh my God. That was a day from hell, mate. I'm telling you. Like that I'm made nine saying- months seem easy. I, I have, uh, so we've been FaceTiming uh, a, a couple of times when I was away. I have seen, uh, so in, in my eyes, you have been improving as a dad. Have I improved? Yeah, don't you think? Do you, do you like, are you more in the daddy game? What? How do you think? Like, how have I improved? Because I think in the beginning, you maybe found it a little bit hard to have someone that's interrupting your training and uh, uh, I don't know. And and now I can just see you sitting with the baby the whole time and uh, like enjoying the, the dad and, and, uh, and, and, and Arabelle time. <laughs> what do you Is think? That what you think? I don't know, really. Like, I haven't really, know, I haven't really thought anything of it. <laughs> hey, you I enjoying guess. it lately? Yeah, it's good when uh, when they're not crying their eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, I can I can name a shitload of lows, Joe, in one minute. Really? So, long plane flight to Mexico started off with me sitting next to a Chinese, shaving his nose hair next to me. No, not on the plane. On the flipping plane. Not kidding you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, would have been that many low of you. That was absolutely. I've never right. seen anyone do something like. Did you say anything to him? <laughs> no, say anything. I just looked at him like I was. I wanted to start a fight. Like, what are you doing? Is flipping weird? <laughs> um, he had these one of these these like these nose uh, gears. Out. It was just. Where do the hairs go though when he shaves them? Do they go on they the floor? Fall on the yeah. It's just rank. Absolutely. Oh, so they're all rank. like. So if there was a bit of a breeze, they would all be like blowing onto you, wouldn't they? You like, know, like yeah. from the aircon things that like shoot the shoot the air down from the top. Another thing. Halfway in Mexico, I had to go to a uh, to a laundry service. Brought all my clothes there. I think they washed it at like seventy or ninety degrees. They all shrank. Ah. Oh. Um. I went to uh, a hotel in Mexico uh, after the race and it was supposed to be, uh, so it was on on, uh, booking.com, five-star hotel, private beach on Isla Mujeres, nice island. We arrived there. It was on the middle of a flipping big road. Didn't have a private beach. You could use the beach of a hostel, like a flipping hostel. So if you would say... Uh, if I wanted to go to a hostel, I would go to a hostel, you know, so you know what you're getting. This was basically paying the full price for a hostel. Anyway, in the end, we got our money back, but that was a... Uh, How did you get your money back? What did you say? I complained, I complained, like, really. I, I made sure that I was... It was just disinformation. This was purely disinformation. I said, if you're uh, like, this is a pure flipping scam. Is it cheap in Mexico or not, or is it expensive? Um... It can be cheap. It can be cheap. But I would say I don't think it's just that cheap. And I'm saying this because you get ripped off and scammed at literally every occasion they can. And also would say that you're constantly 
on your edge thinking, am I getting scammed? Is there something to it? Like pickpocketed or something like um, that? Like no, steal your like, phone? Um, taxi services asking ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, um, they've got these rigged uh, cash machines or cart machines. So in a taxi, so if you pay, um, a friend of mine came from the airport to uh, Playa del Carmen and they said they, so if they would enter 5,000 pesos in the cart machine and then it would like do something to the machine and made it into $250. So constantly he would, they, my friend would say, no, go back. What are you doing? And then he said, no, look at this. I'm entering 5,000 pesos, which would be like, um, I don't even know what, but they would enter something and then it would show the cart machine and it looked like they would pay 500 or something like that. And in the end it was like 250 euros. So it was like a massive scam. Why? All these, all these things constantly or saying, um, or, um, putting huge tips on the bill and then saying that it's like taxes, what you need to pay, or you just get constantly scammed and scammed. And it's just really, really annoying. Um, so if it wasn't for that, it's actually quite cheap, but then it actually, you, makes- it can be cheap. So some certain things through booking.com is, it can be cheap, uh, but then you need to be on your edge the whole time. It makes it annoying. It's lucky so that you're on your A game, isn't it? Like I am financially really- on the A game. I've prevented a lot of scams, but they, we've almost been in the scam like a shit load of times. Um, let me see. Uh, uh, um, by the way, I once sat in a taxi that was our, our like driver in Tulum for a couple of days. He was like a famous rapper in Mexico, and he still has a YouTube account with 4.6 million subscribers. Wow. Um, but he, he said he got caught up in the game and was busy with getting more views and getting more money and getting more popularity. But he must have been making good money, though, doing that. That, that, he, that he's quit it before, uh, during COVID and he uh, became a taxi driver to just get his mind off things. What, but he would have been making some good money, wouldn't he, with that many? He did, he did make some good money, money, but he said it wasn't, it wasn't worth it because he got really? anxiety and crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Tell, can yeah. we buy his account of him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have got his details. We'll have his. We'll we'll get his account. I'll start using that for my uh, my yeah. videos and just name it Joe Skipper. <laughs> Off we go. Re rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> the rebrand. The rebrand. All the all the Mexican followers. But anyway, yeah, it's just um, uh, you need to be on your edge the whole flipping time in uh, in Mexico. Wow. Yeah. And then let us know a little bit. Are we talking about the race now? We're going to talk about that in a little while. I think we uh, we can talk about the race now. Um, so I w- w- going into it, were you com- you, were you confident? Because you, you were hitting some decent speeds on the bike, I saw, and everything. So you must have been feeling pretty good. So the first two, so I arrived in Mexico, the first four or five days, an absolute shocker. Like the heat was fucking crazy, mate. The first days, it was also uh, a bit hotter than the, the days later on. Um, but it was, I would say, 32 degrees with 90% humidity. So it felt like 36, 37, 35, 37, something like that. But absolutely melting, especially coming down from Amsterdam, 7 degrees, pouring rain. Um, also, the winds on the island play a big role. So normally why Cozumel is also so so fast is if you have the com- combination of um, high humidity, low air density or something like that, and um, and the wind is just a really fast course. But the first three days, the wind was unfavorable. So it was like a headwind on the open bits and then a tailwind 
on the closed short bit. So that was why it was really slow the first two free days. And then I had two free days where it was like absolutely rapid. So we, I was doing like 42 or 41 Ks an hour with 230 watts. Um, and then on race day, I would say it was 50-50 because later on there was a headwind on the open bit. But it's it's a fast course. It's a really fast course. Um, downstream swim, which would normally suit me. On to like race day. Uh, I still, I have to think like it's been three flipping weeks now. But uh, yeah. Didn't they screw you all over at the start because of like, they basically started all the favorites off together. Yeah. So basically, so we went down to the race start, um, checked in the bike. Uh, That's the day before, but then I went to the, uh, so we had to, went to the bike, put in all the nutrition. And then you have to take a bus from the bike to the swim start. Yeah. Um, So we were all down at the swim start. I made, I was so flipping nervous. I was so flipping nervous because I knew, I don't know why, but it's just been ages for me to do to have done an Ironman, isn't it? And I just um, have had my downs, and I just wanted to like get a good result because I knew it was very important to me. So um, we had to wait ages and ages for the start. At some point, it was like seven or ten past seven. There was still no race start, and then you could what see time was it. What time was it supposed to start? And did they say seven. the race is going to be delayed? seven yeah so like five to seven they said like we're delaying it a little bit because it was it was pretty choppy and the thing was and this is very rare in Cozumel and the wind was coming from the west side which means the um the waves are coming in from the west side and normally um there there's hardly ever a wind like that like hardly ever what's the problem with that then the problem is you're swimming from a to b uh, very close to the shore um, is that a scoopers will get pushed towards the rocks because all the sides are like covered in rocks and they would say it's oh, like right. dangerous especially because Iron Man had so many deaths this year and I would say yes for age groupers that would have probably been uh, pretty dangerous but for pros it was a hundred percent a swim like a hundred percent like yeah. remember when we did that swim uh, in South Africa yeah Mate, that was way more dangerous. That was absolutely flipping nuts. Like I almost died in that swim. Um, yeah, I was like six minutes, didn't I, in, in seven hundred meters? Like oh, I, no, I, you're I, only a, you're only actually about a minute and a bit behind. You weren't actually no. that far. You you checked that again. I think it was like four minutes, five, six minutes. I don't even know. No, no, you weren't that far behind. Really? You're on. Yeah, you're doing yourself a disservice, mate. Like I think you were you were like two minutes tops from the fastest swimmer behind. I have to look that up later on in this episode, but. I remember I almost died in that swim, uh, and this was just a bit choppy. So anyway, they canceled the swim. So at first I was like, all right, um, got her, because I wanted to have my 54. I wanted to break my 54, and with a downstream swim, there was a big chance of breaking that 54 and maybe calling myself a 48, which is pretty sexy. Um <laughs> But there were other people, for example, Menakolhas, Richard Varga, who were way more disappointed than I was. You know, they they always come out first out of the water with two minute gap, two and a half minutes. I don't know. So for them, it was really disappointing. Anyway, absolute carnage. So the swim got postponed. So they they cancelled the swim and then they postponed the start. In total, like two hours, two and a half. I think we started something like nine, half past nine. Two and a half hours. Yeah, so what, but, did you have to get a bus back to where the bikes were? And everything? Exactly. So you have everyone had to get back on the bus. 
So what did you do got... for food then? Because I'd be starving then. Mate, this was the whole problem. That was already two and a half hours without food. So I had two gels before the swim start because I always have them. But then I only had one cookie because you don't bring 400 grams of carbs before the Ironman, do you? No, no, you don't. I'd be like, I'd be like starving. I'd be thinking, and then exactly. plus it must be pretty hot as well. You stand around in the heat for another two hours. Another, another thing. Also, you're postponing the whole race, so you have to race in the heat the whole day. The only, the only cool hours are between like seven and nine. Um. So anyway, we were there standing at the race start, and it was all so unorganized. So we were just standing there, standing there, like what's going on. So then the, one of the referees came up, and he said. All right, all the pros get together, listen up. We're starting in one minute. We're starting with race number one, and then we're just uh, going two, three, four, five, six. So I was like, what the fuck is this? This is, is like that what he said. What he gave yeah. you literally like one minute notice. He just said, we're starting in one minute. We're starting with number one, get ready. And then uh, at every 15 seconds, there will be a start. And I said, well, it's completely unfair, isn't it? Because maybe you haven't done an Ironman this year like me or you haven't done Ironman races with challenge races and then your ranking will be really shit, wouldn't it? And you would have all the top guys, the top 15, and it was a pretty stacked uh, race field, starting within like three minutes. Well, probably within like, yeah. Um, yeah two minutes. Three minutes top, yeah, two minutes uh, probably. So basically, it's almost like making a pack of all the strongest riders. Exactly. And then completely rigorous format. Completely rigorous format. It would be so when I when I had this in Cork, they would do a drawing the way they would draw a apparently, number. Yeah, that's apparently what they normally do. What? 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 Did anyone complain to the referee and say, "Well, that's not fair"? Like, well, then, of course, the big hitters didn't complain because they're all with the big squat, you know. And and who cares if someone uh, if number fifty nine complains? But to be honest, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, I, I'm surprised more people didn't kick off about that because that would have been uh, really uh, bad. Yeah, it was. Well, anyway, between number one and I was number 59, I had to wait something like 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, maybe even more, 25. I don't even know before I was off. So I was even off something around 10. Um, I had to start that last, which is a pretty shit position. Because you still feel you're out of the race. First of all, all right. Did you, is that what it felt like? You were out the race because you were standing there for like 20 minutes and they were, uh, so you were 20 minutes after them all going. Yeah. And it's also like another 20 minutes. Like it's getting hotter on the bike, isn't it? Every 20 minutes counts. Every minute counts. Yeah. Yeah. It does. That does count for quite a lot, doesn't it? Because uh, you do notice that 20 minutes, don't you? And especially between them times, between like 9.30 and 10. Yeah. It just gets hotter so quick. Anyway. Um, got on the bike, uh, started off pretty decent first lap. Um, then shortly after that, got my first flat and I was like, all right, we'll have another flat. I wasn't a decent group, uh, stopped, changed. That went pretty quick. Like, I don't even know, but I've practiced in Amsterdam, had a shitload of flats. And <laughs> How quick like, do you reckon you did it? Do you reckon you did it in under five minutes? Oh, definitely. I can do it in like two minutes. Really? You'd yeah. worked your way up quite a bit, hadn't you, as well? Like, you were you were up there, like, you'd already t- overtaken, like, 20 some, 25 people, hadn't you, at one no, point? No, no, that's a bit, no, I think something like 12, 13, 14. On the tracker, like it had you up to, like, 30th position. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I haven't looked at the tracker. I don't even know. Yeah, it had you up to, like, 30, 31st. So if you started, like, 59th, was that because there weren't everyone there? So there wasn't necessarily... Maybe maybe four people missed, but, like, there were a whole lot of people there. Like there so weren't you must a have lot. overtook, like, 20 people then. 
something like that. And we were in a group of five. So it would have been between 30 and 35 then. But um, so I had my first flat. I was like, all right, bummer, quickly changed. And, uh, and on people were asking, why didn't you write tubeless? Because um, the wheels that I have aren't tubeless ready. And I'm bidding them after the race. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I had a flat. First one went on. Did another, um, I don't even know how it went from this. So later on, I think another, I think another 25 K. So my front tower tire went flat. I hadn't, I didn't had another tire, but in between K 80 and I don't know, it was a whole bit like the half of one loop where there wasn't any connection. There was no support on the whole course, like nothing. And no mechanic had anything. Not a spare tire, not a spare wheel. What did the uh, mechanic have? Because I would have thought like a spare tire is a pretty, not a even pretty a pump. standard thing. Not even a flipping pump. So how were they? Uh, what was the point in the mechanic then? If they didn't I don't know. Have any tools? You ask me. It, it's, <laughs> it's just complete shit. Um, so I was literally just paddling because I had to go on. I thought I'll just ride to an aid station. So I had to, drive, I had to ride 10 or 15 Ks, 15 Ks an hour. Uh, with a f- flat front wheel, but I had to move because I was just standing in the heat with no water, nothing. <laughs> Some point I got to a penalty box and I just started because there were age groupers that had to stop. So I, so I just started begging for, uh, for a time. <laughs> you said, you're a bad boy. Your yeah. forfeit is to give me your inner tube. <laughs> your fine is, a, is an inner tube. <laughs> so I got an inner tube, uh, got going again. And then I was just um, really dehydrated. I was already on the course for a very long time. Uh, got back into transition. Uh, I still had, I was only 100 and something Ks in. And then one of my, I ran into like some of my mates and he said, mate, just crack on. Just like, don't give in, do this for yourself. So I was like, all right, he's right. I just need to crack on. Then I got my third flipping flat tire. How many kilometers um, did this into it? This then? was at kilometer 146. Seven, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere so around that. You're miles and away from transition. You're absolutely literally- flipping miles away. So I had I rode again, ten k's to and to a to a to a stop, like an aid station. No one flipping. No one was there able to help. Like no one and no one had a phone. Everyone that had a phone had no connection because that part of the island has no connection. Half of the island has no signal. Um. So then I said to the guy, like, well, I can't even do anything. There were hardly still, there were still age groupers coming, but not a lot of people want to hand the tire, do they? So at some point, I was literally just sitting on the side of the road in the sun, uh, waiting um, for support. It was nothing. And then after 45 minutes, I said to the guy, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'm fucking done. Like, I want to I want to get out. Like, just tell the organization that I'm done so they can pick me up. So he said, all right. Because that was my only way out. Yeah, yeah. How were you going to get out? There's no... So did they have to pick you up in the end? Is that yeah, how you so they were said, the only, way, the only way to get out here is to resign so they can pick you up. So I said, all right, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely flipping done. So I said, so they resigned me. Um, So I said... All right. He said, just wait here. I said, all right, I'll wait here. 20 minutes went past. And I said to the guy, and he, he hardly spoke any English as well. There was another problem. So he said, so I asked him, how long is this going to take? At some point, manana, he was like, <laughs> yeah. no, so he was like um, I don't know. He will, they will come in a bit, in a bit. So I said, what is a bit? He said, if the last age grouper comes through. I said, fucking hell. If the last age grouper comes through. So one of these really big guys with 100 
sausages and things taped on their frame and you know that they're not one of the quickest Ironmans. I asked him, hey, mate, can I ask how many Ks you've got to go? Because he was also riding with like a flat. And he said, I'm currently at, what did he say? Oh, he had a penalty. He had a penalty. So he stopped at the penalty box. What, they gave someone like that a penalty? Uh, yeah, and this was a guy. I don't even know if this guy was riding through, but he. I asked him how far he had to go, and he said he was 120 k's in. So I knew he had to go for another lap, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So he's got to do another lap, and after that, they will sweep the course. So I will be out here for another like probably three hours. Um, so then I had to wait for another age grouper who came in at the penalty box, and he gave me a tube. He gave me a flipping tube. And do you know what the hard thing for me was? I know my family was tracking me back home. My girlfriend was there as well on the island. My friends were there in the island. They were I was waiting. tracking you. You were tracking me. Everyone's tracking me. No one knew what was going on. But my parents, for example, still have the scars of me heat stroking in Kona and not knowing what, go- what was going on. And all of a sudden, like that, I was on the intensive care. But I couldn't let anyone know that I was safe. I was just sitting in the flipping bushes because there was no signal. That's the... Uh... I, I I can't believe there wasn't uh, the mechanics didn't have inner tubes and stuff like that's pretty Absolutely basic. I mean, like, how much do people pay to enter these races now? They're like seven or eight hundred pounds, aren't they? Something like that. Exactly. Nothing. Nothing. And then, um, so I got another tube of an age grouper. I rode back into town. I straightly rode into my Airbnb, and I was like, I, I've made, I've cried on the bike a shitload of times because I was thinking like. Why is this all flipping happening to me? I've, oh, I got stung by a couple of bees as well. Like, I'm not saying one. It was two bees. It was not one of, like, a normal bee. Like, these flipping huge ones. I went to an ambulance because I already lost a shitload of time. They didn't even have something to suck the poison out. I had, like, this massive allergic reaction on my belly as well. Bloody hell. Well, Dude, just put it behind you. We've all had our, uh, we've all had our disappointments this uh, this year. And yeah. uh, it is very I frustrating, was, especially uh, when you travel so far for a race. Yeah, and when you put a lot of into it, like relatively, and, and you pay, yeah, it was just, I was very, uh, yeah. The good thing about High Rocks is, mate, you don't have to worry about puncturing on a bike. <laughs> you don't have to worry about tubeless wheels. It's literally just yeah. you, and hopefully your muscles don't punch you. <laughs> but I, I just think it's crazy also because if you look at the rigorous format, so they would say, for example, you're number one, you can start first. And also, you will have free motorbikes with race wheels. So if you get a flat, we'll change it for you. Why is there a difference in that way between a top pro and a medium pro who all pay the same for the license? But just it's just crazy, isn't it, that some people get all the support and some people don't. I don't think it's fair. Life's not fair, mate. There's always uh, there's always people that gain, isn't there, like that? Yeah. But hopefully you get that ranking up a bit more next year and you'll be at the front with the motorbikes and you'll be like, fuck you. No, it's not, it's not with the motorbikes for drafting. It's more for like the support because yeah, there was the a, you'll a get pro- everything, mate. You'll get yeah. the, you'll get the drafting, you'll get the support. You'll be, you'll be laughing then. And then you you'll get be the like, content, you get the, the camera views. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> this time next year. But one thing is for sure. And I've promised this to myself. I'm never, ever, ever racing again in either Mexico or Spain. Mate, I said that ages yeah. ago. That's exactly what I said because the the races are always so disorganized. Motor pace to shit. Like I don't know what this one was like, but normally in Spain they're flipping terrible. Um, and yeah, just 
terrible disorganization and uh i just don't think they're fair you just the can't amount of people i've seen race. walking on course and that have messaged me after the race like hey mate i've had more than two flats as well and i couldn't i had to walk in dnf as well it's absolutely nuts and especially after if, if you have to walk for 20 kilometers or ride on your rim um you're, I've been standing on the road for more than 40 minutes, two times, without any water, in the burning sun. It's like 33 degrees. It's just very irresponsible, isn't it? There are no well, shades. Couldn't, couldn't they just give the aid stations 10, 10 inner tubes each? It's going to cost them hardly anything for how much money they charge for people's entries. And well, at least then it, if you get and have a pump at each aid, uh, each aid station, and if someone does punch us, like they've got inner tubes, they've got a pump, and they've got tire levers. You know, that's a minimum what you should expect when you pay that's like That's the bare minimum. Like, I don't that's care if minimum. I do get it if they would say, like, you're a pro, you need to change your own tire. Yeah, obviously, I'm having more than one flat, so I'm already but on I the race. I don't but... even think that you should do, really. I, I honestly think there should be support to help you. I mean, it's meant to be pro sport. And also, even if it's not pro sport, people are still paying a fortune to enter these races. They're like, I mean, you change your tire when you're out in the middle of training in the middle of January and February, don't you, in the winter. But when you pay seven or 800 quid to do a race, I mean, flipping heck, you want something to justify it, don't you? A decent experience, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, you, you could enter a local sportif in England for 30 pounds and there'd be inner tubes at the aid stations if you punch them, mechanical assistance and people to Absolutely help Absolutely not. Like, for 800 pounds, I expect top-notch service, really, because that's premium event price. I mean, tell me another right. endurance sport in the world that charges over 800 pounds for an entry. I couldn't name you one, like, honestly. Yeah. Right. Like, so it has yeah. to be a bit special, doesn't it? Really, like yeah. You know, well, that's the bare minimum, like an inner tube, because the bike is the only thing that can that can stop people from from finishing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's the bit that gets me the most nerves about an Ironman is the bike, because I know the swim is just down to you, the run is just down to you, but it's the bike. It's like you can be in the best form ever, you can put all the work in the ever, and something beyond your control can completely stuff your race up. You know, once yeah. I get off the bike, it's actually relief because I'm like, thank God, you know, because a punch can happen to anyone. Like you say, even if you just punch it once, that's pretty much a game ender, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. true, true. Well, anyway, so that was the Mexican race. Um, how was yours? The High Rocks in London. High Rocks was absolutely awesome, mate. Like, so I, I entered that in June. I think I might have told you at the time that I entered it, but I wasn't sure if I was going to definitely do it this time um because like obviously i didn't do florida because i had that like ill that episode um but then i actually thought a week out actually you know what i'm gonna give it a go so my race prep was a bit different than uh, in yours my race prep was like for wednesday i think it was before the race i went into the gym i uh, thought i better practice some of these because i've got no flipping clue how to do half these exercises I've never done them before so for anyone that doesn't know Basically, what a high rocks is, is it's eight 1K runs and you do a 1K run, then you do 1K on the ski erg to start, then a 1K run, then you do sled push, then you do 1K run, sled pull. And the, the sled push for me, because I entered the pro category, was 202 kilos and the sled push, uh, sled pull is 150 something kilos. Then how come How come that sled push was so hard, if you have to describe it? The sled push wasn't bad. But the pull was what killed me in the yeah, race. During, I've, I've, so I've seen your race prep video and you said the push was really hard. So the yeah, the push was extremely hard in my pre-race video because the surface matters massively for the sled push. Because obviously you think if you've got a high friction surface, 
trying to push a sled when it's like real grippy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weight just sinks it in, doesn't it? And it's really hard to move. Obviously, if you've got low friction surface, surface, you can put a lot of weight in. You can just slide something really easy, can't you? So the gym, what I obviously do it in, David Lloyd, must be a much higher friction surface than where you do this, the uh, do it at the High Rock. So I tried 200 kilos at David Lloyd. First of all, actually, I asked the woman in the in the gym, I got one that hold of one of the gym instructors, and I said, ah, oh, can you give us a hand on the sled push? Like, what's the good, what's the best technique to use and stuff? Because uh, I've got to do an event on Saturday. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right. So she like set me up. So we tried it. Start off with, tried it with 100 kilos in total. That's including the sled. Uh, the sled. Did, did, did she know what it, what it was for? Like when you say, did she know the high rocks where it was? Uh, she she knew of it, but wasn't like, didn't know 100% what it was, but she had, she was aware of the event. Um, and then, so I had 100 kilos on it, did it. And I was like, oh, that was flipping easy. I was thinking this might actually go all right. <laughs> you might be all right here, Joe. Uh, so I tried it with 100 and I think I put a load more on. I think I went to about 100, 180, something like that did it and I could do it and it was hard, but I could move it. So I thought still not too bad. This is okay. Randomly tried the extra 20 odd kilos to make up to 200 and I couldn't move the flipping thing. Um, Don't you think it was, was like the fatigue you've built up? No, cause I tried it like two days later. So I must've tried that on the Tuesday and then it must've been the Thursday when I tried it again. So it must've been the Tuesday when I tried it the first time. Uh, but I couldn't even move it at all. Like literally started so I'm thinking shit, like I'm screwed here. Uh, then I tried the sled pull with 150 kilos. That went fine. Thought that's good. Like I'm in here. So anyway, tried it uh, the day, two days later. I tried it with my friend John Jacobs, fireman. Thought he's pretty strong. We'll see how I compare to him. We'll go through some of the stuff. So we tried every exercise, and I actually got DOMS from this session that I still had on the Saturday, even though we literally did like the bare minimum with the but stuff. What, what, like, what is what is DOMS? You know, like mu- delayed onset of muscular soreness. You know, when you oh, like do right. like yeah. a gym session, your muscles are like f- fucked, aren't they? Yeah. I had that and I'm thinking, Jesus, I didn't want DOMS. I only wanted to do it to recce the exercises but because I hadn't done them before. I wasn't used to it. So I still had <laughs> like muscle soreness. And I'm thinking this is not what I want. But anyway, when you get to the High Rocks event, they have like a warm up zone. They have loads of stuff in there. So my big aim when I got into the warm up zone was... I want to try the sled push on 200 kilos to know whether or not I can move it. So before the race, you were like, all right, I'm going to push yeah, but- the 200 kg one to see if I can move it just for my own confidence. Yeah, just to see if I can move it a little bit because if I can't move at five meters, I know I'm not going to move at 50, am I? Like this if I've got like- to move at 50 meters, I should be able to move at 10. So you're telling me, right? If you've tried it in training and you've not even been able to move it one meter and you're meant to be doing it 50, would you want to know that you've got a chance of moving at 50 meters I just like by mo- actually this is like a running some program like all right i'm gonna do 180k at race base to see if i can yeah but i'm literally just trying to move it like i'm not doing the whole 50 meters i'm literally just trying to move at five six meters to see how it feels you know it's like five seconds ten five six seconds um, <laughs> all right yeah but all right you think you, the whole sled push takes like two and a half minutes. So if you do like t- six to 10 seconds, it's just like a stride, oh, yeah, isn't it? Running. Yeah. Um, but anyway, actually going back before that, I knew I was in trouble because when I was watching the open category, which is a lot lower weights than the pro category that I had entered, uh, stupidly entered, uh, I saw some people that were like pretty stacked. And I remember watching it with my friend and we're watching them. Uh, and I'm thinking, flipping out, there's some people here that look pretty strong uh in, and they're in what struggling form, in what form were you intimidated body composure wise what, what uh, was I wasn't really into int- you i wasn't really intimidated i was just like thinking 
fucking hell, these guys are struggling and they look pretty strong. And I've entered the category where the All weights right. are like 50 kilos All right. heavier. So I'm thinking <laughs> if they look like that and they're struggling on these weights, I'm going to be in the shit if I've not done any training and I've got to do heavier weights. So I was like, I knew I might be in the shit a bit. But anyway, tried it, got into the warm up zone, tried the sled push. I thought that wasn't bad. I'm pretty confident with that. Tried the pull. I moved that thing so easily. And I thought, oh, yes, I thought I might have a chance of being right up there in this high rocks. I think I could, I think I could be, <laughs> I think I could smash this. <laughs> like, that's what I'm thinking. I, I'm fancying my chances of getting up there amongst the top hitters. And, uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, honestly, I was, I was like, I was thinking, you know, I could surprise a few people here and uh, get right in the mix. I thought top 10, here we come. And I'd seen some of the other races and some of these people take out the race hot, mate. Like when you see them starting off, it's like a full on sprint. So I'm thinking what you would say, like 110 kg wrecked guy leaves the first K in like 250 pace. Oh yeah. Yeah. Faster than that. Like, but they're not 100. Yeah. But they're not 110 kilos because you've got to be able to, it's the thing is the the misconception is about this is that you're going to be like 110 kilos and mega stacked. But the thing is, if you're 110 kilos and real stacked, you were going to run like shit and you're not, yeah, and definitely. a lot of the exercises. So even like the sled push, it's not brute force. That's going to do it. It's like, you've got to be strong, but you've got to be very fit because it lasts like two and a half minutes. So it's like doing uh, a VO two max effort on the bike. Basically, you know, you could be like a sprinter, couldn't you? Who's really good at 10 seconds, but it's not yeah. going to get you through a two and a half minute effort. Is it after that first 30 seconds, 20, 30 seconds, it starts favoring the aerobic side, doesn't it? So you want to probably be, Ideally, from when I was talking to High Rocks, sir, basically you want to be as big as you can be without sacrificing much on your run. You know, because obviously if you are 90 kilos and you're strong, really strong, but you can still run well, then that would be ideal. Um, so that's kind of like the key thing. So I think for me, if I was like 85 to 90 kilos and running well, but like a, a stronger and done some more specific exercise, I'd be all right. But anyway, they it gets you like proper hyped up before the race because they put you in this starting pen and you're in there with everyone, there's like 20, they must start 20 people at once, maybe a few mm-hmm. more. I don't even know, maybe 25. Um, and they have some absolutely thumping tunes the whole time when you're in the arena. Um, and there's a countdown thing from 10 minutes to go where you're in this little pen, you can see it nine minutes, eight minutes. And then there's like all these like little videos playing and stuff like that. And then it counts down from 10 seconds and it goes mad. And then Would you, would you say a race start like that is more exciting than I, man? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, uh, because there's all like people, I don't know, and Ironman's quite, can be quite exciting, can't they, sometimes when they have the music playing and it's, a, you know, and the cannon goes. It's probably fairly similar, the, the start, for nerves. But what was what is great about this is that people that watch you can get to every exercise. So when we were there before the start and we were watching it, we could be on exercise one. You walk so how, 20 many, how many people would be there, you would say? Watching it. Yeah, like spectator-wise? In this bit, must have it's hard to guess off the top of your head but maybe like 2000 something like that like two it's in like probably yeah which like doesn't sound like a massive amount but it's like the venue's not massive no, I, mean, a, like, I think it's a lot i think it's a lot yeah it might, might have been more i don't know but like uh, i'd say yeah decent like amount but um but like you can get from each exercise to another one pretty pretty easily like you can be at exercise one then it's like 20 meter walk to exercise two and then you can see, also you can see them run past. So every lap when I did it was every K was two laps. So so spectator friendly. So you were you were like um, so you had the first K and then you had the first exercise and you were still like off the front, weren't you? You were like getting the. So, yeah, I came in after the first K in first place and I'd run it like 
reasonably hard, like because you're pretty fresh. I, what pace did you go at? Uh, I don't know, maybe like three ten, something like that, for the first K. Oh, that's like, not. That's actually all right. It's all right. You were in first place, and you were like already uh, barking. Because a lot of the guys start off really quick, but you could mm-hmm. see that they fucking blow big time after like three hundred meters. So we knew from watching the other races. Don't worry about being at the front after a hundred because you can see when they come up round after five six hundred meters that they're already falling off the pace. Some of them quite a lot. So I so I wasn't too bothered about that. So I, I reckon it was probably like three ten. Maybe I don't know. It could have been quicker. It said two forty five on the thing, but like the first K was a bit short because of where the start was. So okay. I, you'd I'd have to know. So you you ran three ten K pace coming in first. You were like, all right, uh, piece of pace. Yeah, because my go. first uh, exercise. Yeah. What was that? So the first exercise was the ski erg, and I was. I although I'd only done twenty or 30, say forty seconds of practice and a five hundred meter race at Challenge Roth against someone before in my life, I was fairly confident in the ski erg because I I felt like my technique was all right and I knew the paces that I could hold were like pretty solid from like the minute training right. that I did. <laughs> so so you had all the knowledge from that. Boom, you did it. How much how much faster were they? So you you were finished in like 10th or something? No, I was like I was off it in like I was still leading. I was still in first after that. You're still leading. All right. Yeah, I was still leading it and Second then I did K. the next K and probably pulled away even more. What? All yeah. Right. So, so in my So I was like pretty confident at this point and then I got to the sledge push. And that was my best event of the whole day, 13th overall. And like including it out of everyone in the uh, pro category, it was only like 30 seconds off um, the fastest of the whole day. All right. Were you, were you still leading after the sled push? Yeah, yeah. I'd pulled away, I think, even more because my sled push was uh, very good, like really good. Like I think I had an even bigger lead after the sledge push. Um, and I got to the sledge pull. And I, so you did, uh, you did another, you, sorry, you did the third K after the sled push. What pace was that? Oh, that was slow because like when you start off after the sledge push, it was, it would be probably the equivalent of someone getting you to do these other exercises that I'd done and then suddenly getting you to go on the bike and doing a three minute effort at probably the pace you can hold for like, you know, when you do a five minute max test, Yeah. imagine someone getting you to do three minutes at five minute max power and then getting you off the bike and saying, right, boom, go now, run a K. It would be like that, and you'd be like, your legs are a bit like, oh man, like lactate. Do you know what I mean? So like the first like hundred meters, hundred and fifty meters, you feel like you're you're running through flipping treacle, and then your legs come back, and then the pace starts picking up. So my first lap was probably shocking. My second lap picked up a bit, but then I thought, uh, because I'd been doing all right on the exercise up until that point, I'm getting a bit confident here. I'm thinking, you know two of the exercises down six to go i'm in first place in my wave i've fucking done this these guys are like these guys are, are gonna be miles behind like <laughs> because the stage push was the one that i was most worried about when i felt like i nailed it so then i get to the pull and in training the pull had been going brilliant like i'd been smashing that uh so i got into the pull pretty confident i was thinking this is going to be a breeze and i tried to pull it and it was like i just couldn't generate any power and oh my god i could not move that flipping thing mate like <laughs> but how come because the sled pull is like an underarm movement isn't it underarm yeah. how come they were so so full of lactate in the beginning of this high rock where i don't majority... know i honestly don't know mate i think it must have been the ski egg that must have nailed it and it was like the grip strength it was my ability to hold on to the rope that really 
nailed me. And I do not know why they fatigued so quick when I hadn't really used them. But because I just... all of a sudden, I was following this tracker. You were doing like 14 minutes here. Yeah, I did 14 minutes. I don't, I don't know why, because in training that had gone so flipping well. And I was really good at the sledge pull, the sledge pull. So I do not know why I was so, I sucked so bad in the high rocks. It just, my arm was just fatigued, mate. And I was shaking like a shitting dog. It took me all day to get through that. Like, (laughs) holy shit. Like all of a sudden the pull, is it like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, And that was when my race crippled. That was when I thought, oh no, what, you're going to be out here for a very long time, Joe, because you imagine what I got in there. I got in in first. And I was out and probably last in the whole way in the whole wave. I think like everyone had got overtaken me. I went from first to last. They must have thought like, oh, he probably pulled a muscle or something. <laughs> <laughs> but how? Come, learn him. How? How? What other exercise after that one was also carnage? So after that one, you had burpee broad jumps, which is like eighty meters of doing burpees so you have to do a burpee and then you have to jump and then you is do that the next one tough? fucking hard mate that is fucking grim you imagine you know what a burpee's like don't you yeah so imagine doing a burpee and you have to touch your chest on the floor so your chest has to touch so you can't like cheat it so your chest has to touch the floor then you do a burpee and wherever you stand you then have to jump and wherever you land is where you do the next burpee from and you have to cover 80 meters doing that and obviously, you can take eight as long as you want for it. But the longer you take, the more time you're losing to everyone else. So you have to do it as quick as possible. So you imagine doing burpees for a whole 80 meters. Like, why, why did that one suck so bad? Well, you try and do 80 meters of burpees, mate, and jump in between them. And you'll realize I, how I, hard I, I it is. I remember it I did a lot of burpees. But I can, I can imagine, like, if you do it in a... Did you, did you think it was, like, cardiovascularly? Because it's also very much of a cardio workout. It's, or would it's you both. Say... It's okay. muscles. The muscles to hold your arms are for so fatigued from the, okay. Uh, okay. From the uh, sledge pull, if you haven't done it. But cardiovascularly, mate, and, and burn. Because it's different. You're probably just on the burpees where you jump on the spot and you do a burpee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas jumping forward... And covering the distance, mate, is a whole world. It's a whole world of shit. Like, and you're trying to do it as quick as you can. You're probably just doing it like normally when you do it. You're not smashing it, trying to do them as quick as possible, are you? It's like the difference of just like running steady to like trying to cover eighty meters like fast. It's uh, it's just flipping grim. Um, but it wasn't the worst. It was grim, and it was way harder in high rocks. All these events, I will say, are so much flipping tougher than what they are individually. Because I did the burpee broad jumps, and I did like for. 30 meters with my friend training mm-hmm. and in isolation it wasn't that bad and I was pretty confident again with the burpee broad jumps I got there in the race and it wasn't too bad to be fair I won't say I was good at it I wouldn't say I was bad I was just distinctly average considering I hadn't really done any practice because there is a technique to it like you don't want to stand up too high because it's just wasted energy and you can get efficient and you can get better but I would say I was average at this anyway we go on to another k run and then it was the row thousand meter row um i was pretty yeah i was solid at that like i used to be really good at rowing uh on the indoor thing so i was like confident and i actually did pretty decent row but i was my forearm the muscle that you use for the grip strength you can really feel it on the rowing machine especially when it's fatigued so Mm -hmm. and because i knew we had the farmer's carry afterwards and i knew when i was on the rowing machine i was in a world of shit for the next one so i'm like trying to nurse it through like 
just get through this unscathed. Don't go real slow, but just get through it at a nice pace. So I'm rowing like 147s, 146s yeah. per 500 meters, just thinking this is okay. It's not going to win any medals, but like I'm not going to lose too much time. Um, and then we do the K and I'm shaking my arms and I'm running before and everything thinking, <laughs> God, how am I going to hold the kettlebells? Like my arms are screwed. I can barely hold the rowing thing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be nailed. And as soon as I picked up that kettlebell, I knew I fucked up. Like I literally could barely hold the thing and you've got to walk 200 meters with two 32 kilo kettlebells in your arm. My grip strength had gone. So I could barely hold anything. I could barely hold a bag, let alone a kettlebell. I'm trying to walk with it. I'm rubbing as much chalk as I can on my hands. My hands are white. I'm picking the thing up. I'm thinking oh my god i don't even know if i can complete this event like and i've still got two more afterwards like <laughs> it's like a flat tire a technical it was like DNA. a flat tire and i was like having to put it down in training i did like what did i do i did like 50 60 meters with it no problem at all i said to my mate on the day this ain't going to be a problem i think i could even run the 200 meters with these kettlebells <laughs> that's what i said i think i could even run them it's not even hard like that's what i thought so in my head i'm thinking right i'm gonna i even said to my mate on the day on the phone who was competing as well because while well, he, he was driving down i was still at home and i said mate i think i'm gonna take the k this is what i said to him a bit easier before the farmers carry and then i'm gonna run the farmers carry with the kettlebells because that's where i'll take the time out of people i reckon i could do that in a minute like eight minute marlin and I'm going to gain loads of time on them. Took me seven and a half flipping minutes. Took me six and a half minutes longer than what I want. I was literally last place, I think, on the overall leaderboard on the kettlebells. My grip strength had gone, mate. I couldn't even hold the damn thing, let alone hold. Like I couldn't hold it long enough to walk with it because they'd gone. And I, I had to drop, put it down at one point. And then I tried to pick it up. And it was like, I didn't give myself long enough for it, for the muscle to recover. So then I just had to wait there for longer to let the muscle recover enough so that I could pick it up again. And that was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. That was the worst one of the lot. That was worse than the sled pull. What about the me. wall balls then? Are they, are they bad? Uh, yeah. They, well, I'll talk, I'll get, I'll tell you about the wall balls when you get there. Um, so then with the next K and then the next one is lunges with a 30 kilo, sandbag and you had to do 100 meters of lunges which in isolation isn't that bad i did it in the gym 30 kilos lunging not too bad you feel it it's a bit of a burn but doing it in high rocks it's pretty grim i wouldn't say it's the worst but it's flipping nasty your legs are shaking like there's a video of me and my legs are shaking all over the place um and the thing is you have to put this bloody 30 kilo sandbag on your back and you're not allowed to take it off at all, like for any recovery at any point, or you get DQ'd. So as soon as you put it really? on, yeah. So if you take like ages doing it, you've just got 30 kilos on your back for ages doing it. Um, so that's it. Once you pick that thing up, you're committed. And if it takes you six, seven minutes, it takes you six, seven minutes. So even when you're standing up trying to recover between the lunges, you've got to keep that thing on you. Otherwise, that's it, DQ'd. Hmm. Um, so that is pretty grim, mate. And that was hard because... Uh, that was, uh, I'd say it was hard. I said it was average for, for high rocks, but it was still grim. And then you do the K uh, run and I end up talking to someone on it. And like, I, I didn't really didn't want to do this K that quick because I'm thinking we've got the wall balls. I've underestimated a lot of these exercises already. I'd underestimated the wall balls thinking it was going to be a piece of piss. And everyone who had done high rocks said to me, the wall balls are a killer. And I'm thinking if I've underestimated all the others, 
I'm pretty fucking sure I've underestimated the wall balls now. I've been out here an hour and a half. I thought it was going to take me about an hour to do the event. I should have taken a gel with me because I'm like bloody gone. Yeah. Like I'm bonking. Like <laughs> I thought I won't need any gels because I'm only going to be out for an hour. I was out there for an hour and a half. And obviously you've got so many bouts of high intensity that you're just burning through the glycogen, aren't you? So I was like depleted. Yeah. I'd hardly drank anything. I was like pouring my sweat because it was in this indoor thing. And I'm thinking, I dread to think, well, I hadn't even practiced one single wall ball at a three meter height in training ever in my life. So I'm thinking... <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm fucked. Like I'm no, this is not going to go well. Like I don't know how bad it is, but I know I'm going to be there for a very long time, and I'm probably going to be like last place on the wall balls. So anyway, we get on the wall ball, and I pick up one. I go, no, no, that's not yours. That the nine kilo ones. There. <laughs> I picked it up, and I thought, oh, that's a bit tasty. <laughs> and then uh, I threw the first one, and I didn't even throw it high enough. And they're like, non-scorer. I threw another <laughs> one. They're like, non-scorer. And I'm thinking, oh god, Jesus, like. So I've got another, I'm still on a hundred to go. Like I've just wasted that energy doing two that don't even count. <laughs> and then because I hadn't practiced the technique, like obviously the skill is you want to throw the ball, hit the three meter target, and then you want to catch the ball, kind of like catch it up high, but on your way down into the squat yeah. position. So you can use it like the momentum to fire you down and up, you know, to, to shoot yeah. it. But because I hadn't practiced it, I, I wasn't really like my technique was shite. So I couldn't really do that. So every time the wall ball was, I was catching it. It was like I was getting a punch in the gut because I was catching it low. I was catching it like that. Yeah. And it was boom. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like that, like bracing myself. And then I'd like lose all momentum. I, they put this box underneath so you knew how far to squat down. I was having to sit on the bloody box to get my energy back, like not even use it to know how far I was. And they were like, it's easier if you go, if you go up and down and not sit on the box i said yeah but i'm too fucked <laughs> i need the recovery <laughs> so i had to like, sit on the box and just shoot myself up and i was on say, like because you always have these people that like um for example at an ironman uh they'll they'll stand at like the sub one hour swim and they'll swim like a 107 yeah but i just want to be on good feet don't you think you, you were in the wrong box of pro people and should have been with like didn't, well didn't... i've I finished did, did probably anyone, in about. Didn't anyone say that to you? Like, hey, mate, I, I'm not sure, but you, I, like, politely, you don't really belong here. <laughs> well, there was still about there was still about 80 people that were slower than me, something really? like that. Yeah, yeah, there was still like 80, uh, maybe more. I mean, I in don't the know. Pro category. I'll have to check. Yeah, yeah. The pro category is like pro weights, so like okay. you can enter it. So like it's just a heavier weight. Like the open ones, the lighter weights. Um, but no, no one said that. I mean, to be fair, they're all like really like friendly. The atmosphere and the supportive, like the atmosphere is absolutely like banging there. Like, did, didn't I anyone didn't awesome. anyone say in hindsight, like, gosh, you were starting off with confidence? Um, no, because they second? they'd all gone home, mate. <laughs> I was half an hour after them, so I never saw any of the people in my wave. They'd all finished. <laughs> oh, um, but honestly, I would say the event is at absolutely awesome and i'm definitely going to do more next year 100 really? like yeah 100 yeah fucking like, hell. do you think I'm gonna do, um, I'm gonna do a load of them mate i'm gonna do some proper training for them as well and be an absolute weapon but what about uh, uh do, do you think that for example uh christian blumenfeld in his off season is messing around with a slap push and slap pull probably not but to be honest i actually found high rocks more fun than iron man yeah like I actually would prefer to do high rocks than uh, than Ironman. I, I I absolutely found it to be absolutely absolutely awesome. R- really loved it. 
I I would actually like to do a lot more of them and actually give it a proper crack. To be honest, if I'm honest, like it was, it, I, it was. I honestly thought it was more fun. Like you know, do you um, <clears throat> do you reckon you can be up with with the top dogs if you? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. If not, I might have to be a lifestyle athlete, <laughs> a lifestyle high rocks there. What like... about what if we would start the YouTube channel, the Hybrid Athletes? Yeah. I know, like that would be awesome. Like I would love to give that a proper crack. I think I could be decent at it. I think I just need to do some training because when I was younger, I used to like put on, like I used to like do weights and stuff and I was like pretty big and strong and I was like strong, really strong when I was like 15, 16, I used to train for it. And I think of this sport, high rocks that have been around when I was like 15, 16, I would have, I would have done that at like 15, 16, you know, like this or even 20, this sport would have been right uh up my street but it just there mm-hmm. just wasn't anything there i mean what about you like you'd have probably been up for something like this wouldn't you like uh if you'd yeah, have seen it cool. i mean you actually almost got paid to do a high rocks event didn't you they offered yeah, you some money right at didn't the they? start right at the start um i think um yeah they, yeah right at the start when was it it must ago. have been when i just it must have been like 2019 do you reckon yeah 2019 i i said it to you multiple times yeah yeah and uh I think if you did it, you would absolutely love it. And I think it's the event. It definitely leads you into a false sense of security. But I've, because... I've had like multiple occasions <clears throat> where I said to him uh, back then in 2019, 2020, like, all right, I want to do one. But then they had an event every time I had an Ironman. So I remember one was in March and I had, for example, um, we were in New Zealand then, and then another one where it was, so I don't know, always something came up with the event that they asked me for. So, and at some point like this year, they uh, didn't bother asking again. And then I had a check for now for in January, but in January at the time when the next event is, I'm not there. So what next event? Uh, I saw, I, I saw high rocks Maastricht is. Yeah, there is one in Maastricht. You should do January. the one in, what about the one in Manchester? I don't know when that when is. That's in January. Manchester. Um, oh, it's the end of January. Well, we get to that why we can't go then because we might be organizing a travel and mockery training camp. Yeah, we've checked out a venue in uh, Gran Canaria. So when I went out there for, for my holiday, uh, it was like to stay at this uh, venue, which like has a golf course. It's really nice. And uh, they're looking at getting into doing like, getting more triathletes and uh, cyclists out there. Um, and it's made for like families as well. So it's got some really nice swim pools there. Um, it's got a new brand new six lane, 25 meter pool. It's uh, they do really nice food um, for the training camp. You'd get like breakfast and dinner included. You wouldn't get like lunch and stuff, but in your apartment, you have got full cooking facilities and they're amazing, like huge balcony. So basically potentially, if we have enough people that are interested, a travel mockery training camps, training camp, it's one camp, week training camp. What are the dates? I reckon it will, will, will they're to be confirmed at the moment, but probably the start of January would uh, like around the 6th, 7th, 5th, something like that for a week. Yeah, it would either be in the week from the 6th or 5th of January till the 12th or 13th, or it would be the week of the 20th to the 27th of January. It would be a week training camp, um, training with the Jody Skipper and Tom Oosterdijk. So we're doing uh, the swims together, 
the runs with handicaps, uh, so interval runs and uh, uh, some of the bike rides. So there is a basic level of uh, endurance, of course, uh, needed. And uh, um, uh, for Jody, a, a drop policy. Um, but a training camp with the dogs, um, a single hotel room. What what did it cost? You know you know it. So it's Sorry, with the- breakfast, dinner, um, hotel room in a five star hotel with a twenty five meter pool, and a bike is included. Rental bike. For- yeah, rental bikes included the whole time. Um, you get transfers to and from the airport. Uh, you said about food, didn't you? The breakfast and dinners included. And you get to use a Deboa wetsuit as well to like swim if you want to swim in the sea and uh, all that kind of thing. So basically, you could, if you wanted to, just travel out with hand luggage and uh, of your training kit because literally all your equipment is uh, sorted. But obviously, if you want to take your own bike, you can take your own bike. It's uh, €1,600 for a one-bedroom apartment by yourself. Um, Obviously, if you wanted to share with someone else, there is a sofa bed and you could. But to be honest, I would just recommend you just get the one bedroom apartment for yourself. But has decent sized kitchen, has living room space where you've got your own TV, massive balcony overlooking the pool and the golf course. And you can see the sea. Like pretty and, family, so, and you can travel out with your family as well as it's family friendly. And I think with your family, it's something like 2000. Uh, yeah, if you want, if you want the two bedroom one, which would be great for a family or if there's just uh, two of you coming out and you don't mind sharing, you've got. Uh, separate rooms obviously um it is 1600 euros for the athlete 595 euros for the partner that's including like their breakfast and lunch and for the kid if they're under two years old is free and if they're between two and 12 it's 295 euros all right and they have kids clubs and everything there as well if um if you are interested in a training camp with um with jody and tom you can uh Send us a message, and if there is enough, are there are if there are enough people um, to organize this camp? Because they only will make this possible if we've got enough people. Meaning something like what was it, ten or fifteen? Fifteen? Yeah, ideally like fifteen, really. But like minimum yeah. of ten, like would probably be worthwhile, wouldn't it? But like, yeah, well, if we get like minimum of ten people, then yeah. uh, we'll probably go ahead with it. Exactly. Then, uh, then otherwise, it would be just be a training camp with me and Jody. Just yeah. Jody and me, the two of us, and maybe Arabelle. Um, anyway, Bullshit Buster or an Instagram post of the week. Oh, mate, I haven't got either. Like, what have you? No, me neither. I'm just, I'm literally getting back to training in uh, 45 minutes. Will be my first session since uh, the 19th of November. Really? Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a, are you doing a swim then? I'm doing a run, a night hawk run. Oh man, you're committed, you are. I know, I know I'm committed. Uh, and then it's training on to the next course. I think in that next podcast we should talk about the uh, 2024 season and uh, how that rolls. And we've got an extra podcast coming up later this week for our patrons with the Q&As, the Q&As that they've asked. Yeah, um, all right. Anyway, if you want to support the show, head down to the link in the description for just, uh, what is it, like four and a half euros a month, which is a euro a week. Um, you can support our show, making this possible, and thus um, getting the uh, the extra episodes. Jody, thanks, my man. Yeah, see you later. I'll see you later. And uh, get in the gym, mate. <laughs> All right, see you. Uh.
All right, are we quickly 